0: This ePulmonology Review podcast is presented by DKB Med Radio.
1: Early on in the pandemic, there was some discussion about the use of inhaled corticosteroids in patients with COPD and whether it increased risks for complications or if it was protective. And the question was whether we should be adding this to patients' regimens.
0: Steroids, dyspnea, and COVID clinical challenges in COPD management. Welcome to this edition of ePulmonology Review. Patients with COPD continue to present management challenges. There are questions about using inhaled steroids to treat and or avoid exacerbations. When to start, when to stop, which patients are the best candidates? Is the gold guidance still the most effective way to assess symptoms? How should patients be advised about the immediate and long-term health effects of COVID-19? That's what we're here to talk about today with our guest, Dr. Niro Pamwapucha. In the Division of Pulmonology and Critical Care at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. For Dr. Pucha's disclosures and additional CME information, please go to our website, epulmonologyreview.org, and select the Volume 2, Issue 4 link. I'm Bob Busker, Managing Editor of Epulmonology Review. Dr. Pucha, thank you for joining us today. Well,
1: thank you, Bob, for having me.
0: Let's start right in with our first learning objective. Describe preventative strategies and treatments for individuals with COPD at risk for exacerbations. So take us to the clinic, if you would please, Dr. Puccia, with a patient scenario.
1: Mr. A is a 72-year-old who has COPD, and he's coming to see you for the first time after a recent hospitalization for COPD. His disease has been previously managed by his primary care doctor, and in recent years, He had an increasing number of exacerbations that required treatment with steroids and antibiotics in the outpatient setting. Most recently, he was hospitalized for a severe exacerbation and required a brief stay in the ICU for non-invasive ventilation. Recently, he has also been very limited as far as his exercise capacity and reports shortness of breath after walking short distances on level ground. You checked his lab tests and his absolute eosinophil count is 150 cells per microliter. His current inhaler regimen include the combination labalama, and he's also using his short-acting nebulizers about four times daily. His primary care doctor has referred him for further management. In your clinic, he has adequate oxygen saturation on room air. He's about 96% at rest, and his spirometry demonstrates an FEV1, which is 45% predicted.
0: Talk to us about your approach to this patient, doctor. Where would you start?
1: Well, at this point, I would assess him and grade the severity of his disease. So based upon his history of several exacerbations, including a recent hospitalized exacerbation, as well as his severe dyspnea with exertion, he would be graded as a gold symptom category D. And so the definition of that is essentially what I just said, which is people who have more exacerbations, particularly those that are hospitalized, and have more exercise limitation or shortness of breath with exertion. So, targeting treatment in this patient first should be guided by which trait you're trying to focus on, whether that's shortness of breath or the exacerbations.
0: Shortness of breath or exacerbations? Which trait would you focus on in this case?
1: So, in this case, the most remarkable part of the history is the frequency of the exacerbations. So, I would target that one more closely. Well,
0: that makes sense, doctor. So, walk us through the treatment process, if you would, please.
1: The first step in this patient already on dual long-acting bronchodilators who's having frequent exacerbations is to escalate treatment to include an inhaled corticosteroid with the two other inhaled medications, or as we would say it, start him on triple therapy. This can be achieved with two inhalers, so either an ics laba combination with a LAMA or adding an ICS with a LABA lama Or there are three drug combination inhalers in one that is as we call it, ICS labolama. One key feature that helps guide this treatment is knowing that his eosinophil count is 150. This is above the threshold of 100.
0: And that eosinophil count, that threshold of 100, why is that important?
1: That threshold of 100 has been shown to be associated with response to inhaled corticosteroids when added for exacerbation risk in patients with COPD.
0: Thanks for the clarification, doctor. So, now I've got two questions for you. One, how would you go about assessing whether the additional medication was the right strategy for this patient? And two, at what point would you look to potentially remove the new medication?
1: So, if we are targeting our treatment for exacerbations, an important assessment is whether the patient continues to exacerbate. If the number of exacerbations improved, that is a good sign and an indication that perhaps we can continue the treatments that we started. However, if the patient continues to have exacerbations, especially those that require hospitalization, it is worth considering whether the inhaled corticosteroids should be continued. Also, if you are concerned about the contribution of the inhaled steroid to infection risk, this is another important consideration and could be a reason to stop the medication. For example, your patient is still having a lot of exacerbations and is hospitalized for a new pneumonia. All right. Additionally, there is an increasing push to consider how we should use eosinophils as a trait over time to guide treatment. So we started the inhaled steroid in part because of the eosinophil level over 100 originally. But what happens if after being on treatment for several months, the eosinophil count is lower or higher? There was a recent study written by Dr. Matthew Dacus published in the European Respiratory Journal in 2020 that was referenced in our newsletter. It showed that reduction in eosinophils on treatment with inhaled corticosteroids in patients with COPD could be a marker of their efficacy. This type of study has not gotten to the point of being included in guidelines because we just need more information, but it is an interesting study and we should look out for more on this topic in the future.
0: In practice and for this patient, what does the GOLD guidance recommend?
1: That's a good question. In practice and based upon gold, you would consider removing the inhaled steroid if the patient continues to have exacerbations and if there is concern for new evidence of
0: pneumonia. Other treatments, other strategies, what else might you consider for this patient?
1: Yeah, there are a few things to consider here. First, once inhaler treatments are maximized, if patients continue to have exacerbations, you can consider the addition of chronic azithromycin in former smokers or roflumolast in patients with chronic productive cough or chronic bronchitis symptoms. Next, it is always important to introduce pulmonary rehabilitation and encourage this patient to enroll in a pulmonary rehabilitation program. These programs have been studied extensively and are indicated for people with COPD having exercise limitation, but also those who have frequent hospitalizations. Also, there was a recent meta-analysis reviewed in our newsletter written by Jolie et al, showing that vitamin D supplementation in patients with vitamin D deficiency, so that means less than 25 nanomoles per liter, was associated with a reduction in exacerbation risk. This has led to the recommendation and goal to check vitamin D levels in patients with risk for exacerbations, particularly those with recent hospitalizations for exacerbations. Finally, it's always prudent to think about untreated comorbidities such as heart disease and immunodeficiency, for example.
0: Well, thank you for bringing us this case, Dr. Pooja. Let's review what we've been discussing now through the lens of our learning objective. Describe preventative strategies and treatments for individuals with COPD at risk for exacerbation. What are the most important things our listeners need to understand from our discussion?
1: The takeaway points here are that, first, eosinophils are an important trait that help to guide the use or addition of inhaled steroids in treatment regimens, particularly in patients with COPD having a lot of exacerbations. Next, the change in eosinophils on treatment may ultimately help guide treatment, but this is still an emerging concept. Next, chronic azithromycin or reflumilast are additional treatments that can be considered for some individuals having frequent exacerbations after they are maximized on inhaler treatments. Next, Pulmonary rehabilitation is a recommended treatment for patients who have been hospitalized for COPD exacerbations or in whom there is severe exercise limitation. And finally, vitamin D should be checked in patients experiencing exacerbations, particularly those with recent hospitalizations, to determine if deficiency exists, in which case supplementation is indicated given evidence it is associated with reduction in exacerbation risk.
0: Thank you, doctor. And we'll return with Dr. Nirup Amapucha from Johns Hopkins in just a moment. Hi, this is Bob Busker again, taking a quick moment to thank you for listening to this ePulmonology Review podcast and to tell you about some of the other programs offered by DKB Med. Our new volume of E Cystic Fibrosis Review will be available soon, offering CME and CE-accredited education for pulmonologists, nurses, pediatric pulmonologists, respiratory therapists, and other healthcare providers. These activities are jointly provided by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing and are available at no cost. To keep you informed about the latest COVID-19 information, we provide weekly COVID webinars giving you the latest news, treatments, info, interviews, and more. Visit covid19.dkbmed.com to get started. For details about these and our many other accredited programs provided without charge, just go to our website, dkbmed.com that's delta kilo bravo med.com and if you've come to this podcast through iTunes, Spotify or any of the other channels we're on please rate and review us this helps us reach more listeners and that helps us create more activities thank you for listening and now back to COPD and Dr. Pucha welcome back to this epulmonology review podcast Our guest is Dr. Nirupama Pucha from the Division of Pulmonology and Critical Care at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Our topic is the the state-of-the-art in early 2022 for managing patients with COPD. We've been talking about strategies to reduce COPD exacerbations. I'd like to turn now to our second learning objective. Describe preventative strategies and treatments for individuals with COPD with dyspnea and exercise limitation and special considerations during the COVID pandemic. With that in mind, uh, if you would please, Dr. Pooja, take us back to the clinic with another patient scenario.
1: Ms. A is a 64-year-old with a history of COPD, presenting for follow-up in your clinic. You have been following her for the past several years. She's overall stably limited in her exercise capacity, which means that she mostly gets winded after walking short distances on level ground. She has not had any exacerbation since her first diagnosis of COPD, which was about five years ago when she was hospitalized for exacerbation. Her last pulmonary function tests were from about a year ago and show an FEV1 that's at about 50% predicted. She's currently taking her lab lama combination inhaler regularly. She comes for a routine follow-up, but also has a lot of questions about living with COPD during the COVID-19 pandemic. Additionally, she wants to know if she should be on a new inhaler that she keeps hearing about from her friends, one inhaler that has three drugs included.
0: Before we start talking about COVID, let's focus on the patient's second question, a different inhaler. She's on and she's been adherent to a Laba-Lama combination. So that third drug would be an inhaled corticosteroid. Do you think she needs to be on triple therapy? How would you make that determination?
1: So starting again by categorizing her COPD, we would grade her COPD as gold symptom category B. That's based upon her dyspnea with exertions as well as her lack of any exacerbation history. We also know that she has been relatively stable in recent months. Based upon this, I would counsel her to continue her current treatments, and that adding a third drug an inhaled steroid is not really indicated. Some recent studies have shown benefit for three drugs over dual bronchodilators in patients with COPD, but these patients specifically had history of exacerbations. Given the patient does not have that history, particularly within the last year, GOLD guidelines would not suggest escalating treatment.
0: So the GOLD guidance recommends her medication should remain the same, but talk to us about other strategies, such as non-pharmacologic strategies, that you might suggest to help this patient maintain her overall health.
1: So there are a number of non-pharmacologic treatments that are recommended in patients with gold symptom category B disease. First, importantly, smoking cessation. This is critical. Our patient does not currently smoke, but if she did, this would be what we spend at least half of our visit on or maybe even more. Next, GOLD outlines the importance of physical activity in patients with COPD. Going beyond this, in patients with significant limitations, pulmonary rehabilitation should be considered as there is a wealth of evidence supporting its use in patients with COPD with severe exercise limitation. Also, we think about oxygen therapy, particularly in patients who have resting hypoxemia or if there's moderate hypoxemia along with signs of pulmonary hypertension, polycythemia, heart failure, or other stigmata suggestive of hypoxemia. Finally, there is vaccination. Specifically mentioned in gold are influenza, pneumococcal vaccines, pertussis vaccination, and COVID-19 vaccines.
0: Which brings us back to the patient's concern about how her COPD might be affected by COVID-19. And that's something I'm pretty sure many patients have questions about.
1: Yes, certainly. So many patients are concerned about the immediate and long-term health effects of COVID-19. And those concerns really have evolved and gotten more complex over time with the new variants of the virus, changing quarantine guidance, and other moving parts.
0: There's a lot of information out there, certainly. Some of it's right. Some of it's incomplete. A lot of it is just plain wrong. Are there expert consensus recommendations about changing treatment due to COVID or general recommendations that might relieve patient anxiety? How do you respond to your patients, Dr. Pucha? What do you tell them?
1: It has been shown fairly clearly in the literature that patients with COPD, when they get COVID-19, are at risk for severe disease and complications. Accordingly, the CDC does list COPD patients as a high-risk group, so the concern is certainly there. Early on in the pandemic, there was some discussion about the use of inhaled corticosteroids in patients with COPD and whether it increased risks for complications or if it was protective, and the question was whether we should be adding this to patients' regimens. A recent very large analysis from an EMR-based cohort in the UK showed there was really no protective association for inhaled corticosteroid use and that the negative association they detected was probably just related to confounding from severity of disease, meaning that patients who were more severe were taking the inhaled corticosteroids already. So? At this point, there's no recommendation to change treatment in order to reduce COVID-19 complications in patients with COPD. Gold recommends COVID-19 vaccinations and also does comment on shielding measures. This includes things like mask wearing, hand washing, and distancing.
0: Thank you, doctor. I want to switch topics now for one last question, and I want to go to something very broad-based. So, based on your experience, in your opinion, what do you feel is most needed to achieve the best results for the most patients with COPD?
1: There are a number of strategies that we consider, and some of these strategies include a better understanding of how to personalize treatment for a patient's individual phenotype. We call this a precision medicine approach. Another important strategy is the implementation for evidence-based therapies. For example, pulmonary rehab is a great example of a highly evidence-based treatment that is vastly underutilized for a number of reasons. And, you know, in the long run, we need a much better understanding of how to modify the course of
0: the disease with treatments and prevention. Thank you, Dr. Pucha, for sharing your expertise and insight with us. Let's wrap things up now by returning to our learning objective, describe preventative strategies and treatments for individuals with COPD, with dyspnea and exercise limitation and special considerations during the COVID pandemic. What should our listeners take away from today's discussion?
1: So, the main points would be, first, that triple inhaled therapy has been shown to be superior to dual bronchodilator therapy among those patients with a history of exacerbations. Next, that non-pharmacologic treatments of importance in COPD include pulmonary rehabilitation, physical activity, smoking cessation, oxygen treatment when appropriate, and vaccinations. Third, patients with COPD have a higher risk for complications when infected with COVID-19 there aren't any current recommendations to change or add inhaler treatments to reduce or avoid complications of COVID-19. Next, currently COVID-19 vaccination and prudent measures such as mask wearing and distancing are recommended to help reduce risk for complications from COVID-19.
0: Dr. Nirupama Puja from the Division of Pulmonology and Critical Care at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Thank you for joining us for this ePulmonology Review Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, Bob. It's been a real pleasure.
0: For ePulmonology Review, I'm Bob Busker. To receive CME credit for this activity, please take the post-test at epulmonology.dkbmed.com. ePulmonology Review is supported by educational grants from AstraZeneca and Beatrice. The opinions and recommendations expressed by faculty and other experts whose input is included in this program are their own. This enduring material is produced for educational purposes only. E-Pulmonology Review is copyright with all rights reserved by DKB Med, LLC. Thank you for listening.